0: Log Talk Radio Hallelujah. Nothing else matters. That is so, so true. This is your sister Pearl. You're listening to Reaching Out Radio International. And I am so very privileged and honored of God to be able to welcome you to another broadcast. I was wondering, how have you been doing this past week? I pray that you've been doing well. I pray that your mind is fixed on Jesus Christ and that he's been keeping you, establishing you, and causing you to remember how very much loved you really are. God loves you so very much. He's the author. He's the finisher of our faith. He's the one that put us in this race, and he will be the one to take you by the hand safely to the finish line. Well, God bless you from wherever you happen to be listening to, from all around the world. I'm just, I just feel so filled with the word that God has given me tonight. I'm just going to pray and go right into the word of God. We're going to talk about in the beginning God, in the beginning God created the heaven, and the earth. But what I really want to specify is just those four words, in the beginning, God. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful to be at your feet for another broadcast of In the Word with Sister Pearl. Thank you so much for reaching out Radio International that goes to more than 90 nations in most of our continents around the globe. And we're so grateful for this privilege to be one of the people that you've blessed with the opportunity to bring the precious bread of life, the word of God to your people. I pray that you would make this word come alive. We know that your word is already fully anointed. But you use people, you use men and you use women to uh, share this word and to bless the people. And I pray that's exactly what's going to happen tonight, that people that listen to this message, whether they're listening uh, live or they're listening via the Internet on demand, whenever they decide to click that URL link and listen to this message in the beginning, God, that you will anoint their ears, anoint their mind, anoint their intellect, anoint their understanding. And Father, anoint me as your handmaiden that will breathe the very word of God through your uh, precious holy word. I pray, God, that you'd help me to say exactly what you want me to speak, nothing more and nothing less, but use me as a mouthpiece for your Holy Spirit to breathe through, captivating the hearts and the minds and the spirits of those that would listen. Take those that are spiritually dead, and Father God, cause them to newness of life in Jesus Christ as a result of surrendering their lives wholeheartedly to you, Uh, through the preaching of the word of Jesus and through the confession of their mouths and believing in their heart that you have raised Christ from the dead. So thank you, Lord God, for this message in the beginning, God, and I pray that it will be a huge blessing to all those that would be listening and that at the end of the day, only one name would be exalted, and that is the name that's above all the other names and the only name that's worthy. The name of Jesus, the precious, powerful, majestic, unchanging name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. So as I promised, we're going to look at uh, Genesis chapter one, specifically the first four words of Genesis one, in the beginning God. And we know that that says, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. And then we're also going to take a quick look at John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You know, I've always found it so very interesting that the very first four words of the English Bible and most of the languages that the Bible has been translated into in the dialects around the globe, the first four, it might be four in your language, it might be more, it might be less, but in English, the first four words of the English Bible basically set the tone for the entire 66 books of the Holy Bible. That's 39 in the Old Testament and 27 in the New Testament. But this first phrase in the beginning, God. It sets the tone. And if you can grasp in the beginning, God, I tell you, you're half the way home to success and to an eternity in heaven. I also do not think it, it, it's a mere coincidence that the disciple who was the very closest to Jesus, the Apostle John, begins his gospel with the words in the beginning in the beginning and then he goes on and he says in the beginning you know was the word and the and the word was with god and the word was god but again in the beginning why are these seemingly simple four words so very important To this premise that our very lives, if you and I wish to live successfully, must be based on the reality of God. God is our frame of reference. Anytime we presume to live apart from God, we run into difficulty. I find it absolutely amazing how just a few words can give us great insight into a godly principle described in the word of God. Take, for example, just two words found in the gospel of John. John chapter 11, verse 35. Just two verses. Many little children love to quote this verse because it's so simple. Just two words. Jesus wept. Now, it is hard for us Being mere mortal human beings to imagine that Jesus, this same Jesus, God who left the splendor of glory and wrapped himself in human flesh, born of the Holy Spirit and born to a young Jewish virgin teen named Mary, is the very same one described in John chapter 1, verses one Four and let me read it to you. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Now the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. John, skipping down to verse 14 to, three, to 15 says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of him, and, and we're talking about John the Baptist now, bore witness of him, and he cried out, saying, This was he whom I said. He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. So when we talk about John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, and then verses 14 through 15, you can read the entire text, but I just took excerpts out of it. It's clearly talking about Jesus, and it's talking about how Jesus created everything It says in verse 3, all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And then it says in verse 14, and this word, Jesus, became flesh. This Jesus, who is God, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was was God. And the Word became flesh, God became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. In the beginning, God. So I'm teaching you a principle that sometimes we can just look at a few words and get so much. I'm going to explain more as, as the Holy Spirit of God enables and helps me to. But I, I want us to get that understanding that sometimes we can just get a good understanding just by a few words. Like in the beginning, God. And let's go back to that, that little verse that I told you that children love, love, love to repeat because it's so simple, from John chapter 11, verse 35, Jesus wept. You and I can get a lot from only these two words. We get a a deep inside look at the very character and heart of the Master and our Savior Jesus by looking at those two words, Jesus wept. This great God, the only true And living God, the one who created the universe, like I just read in John chapter 1, the gospel of John chapter 1, this great God, the one who created the universe and all natural things therein, he's a God who is full of compassion and tender mercies. Or else, why would Jesus have wept? Now, John chapter 11 talks about When Lazarus, one of the friends of Jesus, not one of his disciples, but just a natural friend of the Lord's, he died. And Jesus was away. He was not in the area where Lazarus lived with his sisters, Martha and Mary. But he got word, word was sent to him that Lazarus, his friend, was dead. And so I think after quite a few days, Jesus returned to the the town where Lazarus was. By this time, he was already uh, buried. He was already in the tomb, and 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 Lazarus' sister was explaining to him. And as he was approaching the tomb, he didn't reach there yet, but coming closer, the Bible says that he wept. This gives us insight into. The kind of God that Jesus is. And remember, he's the only true and living God, the creator of the universe. He wept at the news of his friend Lazarus being dead and laid in a tomb. This is a God of compassion. This is a God that's in touch with the feelings of our infirmities, as the Bible tells us in Hebrews. This is a God who also wept when he was on his way to Jerusalem. He wept over the condition of Jerusalem. The Jewish people had the Savior of the world right in their midst, right among them. He walked, talked, he lived among them, yet they did not recognize that God was with them. I'm taking this from Luke chapter 19, and you can get it in verse 41, how Jesus cried, he wept over Jerusalem. Our God is, is very different from all of the cruel and fake gods. I say that with a small g, the fake gods of this world. Those gods were made by mere human hands. They can neither talk, they, they cannot see, they do not have the ability to think, they cannot eat, they cannot do anything for themselves. Far less for any human being or living creature. They can't do anything for animals. They can't do anything for anything that breeds. Then some people make other people and even some animals, trees, mountains, etc., to be their gods. However, the only genuine God is God, our Creator God, the God of heaven and earth, the one who has made us out of the dust, and breathe life into us. This God, the true and living God, compassion and mercy, the Bible tells us in Psalm 103, verses 3 to 5, he who forgives all your iniquities and heals all your diseases. This is the kind of God that I serve. He's the only one who can forgive me of my sin and who can change my character. I cannot change my own character. I cannot change my sinful being, but God has the ability to do that. And he heals all of our diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. Sometimes you and I might not be living in a physical pit like Joseph in the Bible of old, had been thrown into a physical, literal pit to be sold by his own brothers. Can you imagine that? But this, the word of God tells us here in Psalm that God redeems our life from the pit. Sometimes we're not in a physical pit, but it seems as if we're living in some kind of a hell hole. that the enemy of our soul wants us to live in. But God does not want you to live in that position or live in that place. God wants to crown you with loving kindness and tender mercies, compassion, loving devotion, who satisfies you with good things. God wants to give you good things so that your mouth is renewed like the eagles. So yes, sometimes we understand quite a bit from just a few words, like those simple words, Jesus wept. The few words give us insight to the loving character of our great God. I pray that when you open up the word of God, that you always pray before you read it and ask God to give you understanding That's what I ask God for. I ask God to give me understanding, to open up my mind, open up my spirit, open up uh, my intellect, uh, to give me the mind of Christ so that I can comprehend what it is that he is trying to get across to me in his precious word. So going back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning God we see that this is the foundation and the basis to begin to understand. Just begin, because none of us fully understand who God is. He's too vast, he's too big, he's too deep, he's too wide, and our minds are finite, and finite means limited. We have a limit to our understanding in these Perishal bodies that we're yet living in. So right now, you and I don't have the ability to comprehend the vastness of our great God. But to our limited understanding, we can see that to have God is the very foundation and the basis to begin to understand what life is all about. Why? Because life begins with him. In the beginning, God. Do you understand what your sister Pearl is driving at? We don't understand life. We don't understand our purpose. We don't understand why we're here. We don't understand what the will of God for our life is if we don't first begin with God. If we don't do, as I often say, and you've heard me say it time and time again, if we don't have God front and center, we are lost. And the reason that a lot of people in our world today It doesn't matter whether you're living in North America, South America, Europe, Asia, Africa, Oceania, Antarctica, wherever you're living, you have to have God as your foundation in the beginning God. You cannot really think, and if you think it, then you're you're sadly mistaken. You cannot really believe that you can live life the way that God intended for you to live it outside of him. It does not work. It just is not plausible. It just is not doable. And this is why the majority of people, and so many, many people today, whether they have a lot of money, whether they don't have money, um, they're confused. Older people are confused. Younger people are confused. And then these older people and, and, and the younger adults, now they're trying to confuse the little children. But the Bible tells us in First Corinthians chapter 14, and verse 33, For God is not a God of confusion. Rather, he's a God of peace. It literally says, but God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. The reason why so many and and, and some people are now questioning even their gender or even attempting to teach innocent young children to question their gender is that they have either forgotten that life starts with God, who created us, or they're just plain rebelling against God and are trying to do everything that opposes his will and intent for mankind. This is primarily because people who do such things do not understand at all how good and how Great. God truly is. Any good intention that you or I have in our minds, may I just tell you the truth? You didn't get that from yourself or you didn't get that on your own. You got that from your creator God who made us after his own image and likeness. He, not us is the one who wants us to have a life filled with peace, love, and joy. Yeah, we want to have that, but let me tell you, that original idea did not come from you. It did not come from me. I didn't just wake up as a baby and say, I want peace, I want love, I want joy. I wouldn't have even known what I wanted at that stage. It is God who put that design and desire inside of us. So I want to repeat what I just wrote. Any good intention we have, we get from our creator God, who made us after his own image and likeness. This, this reminds me of a, of, a, of a phrase that a lot of people like to use and talk about today. Talk about social justice. If you know anything about socialism, there is no just. There is no justice in socialism. And if you don't believe me, I challenge you to go to countries that are socialist, trade in your American past, and go and live there. And then tell me about social justice. So while everybody is so gung-ho these days about social justice, they fail to realize, or they're just plain, if they don't fail to realize because of their own not knowing, which means ignorance, when I don't know something, I'm just ignorant, but if I know something, then I know something. But it's either through ignorance that they're talking about social justice, or just plain rebellion. Because we don't even have the concept of what justice is without the Bible, without the Word of God, the beginning God. He's the one that we were made after his image and likeness. He's not made after our image and our likeness. And I think that's another huge problem with the world today they're trying to come up and make and create a fake god that they have designed after their own image and after their own likeness but let me just say today very clearly that's not god that's not the true and the living god we know the true and the living god as he's revealed in his holy word the bible and I'm not talking about the fake Bibles that people are coming up with today. They don't like this chapter. They don't like this teaching. They don't like that principle. So they, you know, rewrite it, rearrange it, um, where it says that sodomy is a sin. Now, in their Bible, sodomy is no longer a sin, where it talks about marriage being between a, a man and a woman in, in, in the rewritten Bibles that they come up with. Now, Marriage can be with anybody and several people, including your beast, including your pet. This is not, you know, the truth. And you and I do not have, uh, we have not been given the authority to rewrite Holy Scripture. So in case anybody was confused, let me establish that right now in the beginning God. Not you, not me, not my husband, not your wife, not, you know, your children, not your grandparents, not your aunt, not your uncle, not your cousin, not your teacher, your professor, your, your king, your queen, your president, your prime minister, your neighbor, your coworker. No. They did not set the world in order. In the beginning, God. So what are you saying, Sister Pearl? I'm saying that because in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. He is the one that we base our lives on. He is the only worthy one to base our life. And look what he says so that you could understand his character and his desire for you and for me. Remember I told you that he, not us, is the one who, wants us to have a life filled with peace, love, and joy, that he was the creator of that, not you, not me. The word of God even teaches us that the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. And I know a lot of us, and I'm a foodie. I'm going to admit I'm a foodie, but when it's time to fast, then I don't want to be a foodie anymore. But the kingdom of God is not eating and if you don't know what a foodie means, it means people that like to eat. The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Can I repeat that again for you? Thank you, I'm going to. The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. So as much as we might love a delicious food, meal, to put into our mouths, and then eventually to digest it. That's not what the kingdom of God is all about. So we cannot occupy and preoccupy ourselves with just eating and drinking. But the kingdom of God is righteousness, being in a right-standing relationship with our Heavenly Father, and peace and joy. God wants us to experience peace in our lives hallelujah and joy in the holy spirit in him anything contrary to that is not from god or of god that's found in romans chapter 14 and verse 17 the kingdom of god is not eating and drinking but righteousness and peace and joy in the holy spirit amen God even tells us clearly exactly what his will for our lives are in Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for prosperity and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. So why am I explaining? what God's desire for you and for me is because you got to understand that this is the kind of God that he is. Some of you listening to me, not only in this nation, but in other nations, you know, you were taught that God is a cruel, hard master, always looking to see when you do something bad or when you do something that's outside of his will, and he is looking to destroy you and to cast you, you know, away from him immediately. But, but that is not who God is. That may, may be another God that you were raised to worship, okay? Because there's a lot of false gods out here in the world. That might be one of them, but that's certainly not the true and living God. There's only one true and living God, and he's not like that. different. He will move heaven and earth to get you to understand that he loves you and that he has a great plan for your life and for the lives of your family members and all of those that you love and care about. I want to repeat that again. Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11. For I know the plans that I have for you declares the Lord. And then he goes on to say, plans for prosperity, not for disaster. The plans that God has for you is to give you a hope and a future. However, none of the will and purposes of God can be realized. They can't come to fruition. They cannot be appropriated in our lives unless we're willing to place God first in our lives. So in other words, we have to give God the first place in our life. We have to get off of the throne of our own lives and allow God to go on that throne, to sit on that throne, to rule, to reign, to be the boss, to be the master, to be the one leading, to be the one guiding. Too often our last consideration is God, we we come up with our own plans. We, we do whatever we, we feel we would like to do with no consideration for God whatsoever. And then we have the audacity to blame God when things do not go correctly. That's what we've all done. Why God? Why did you allow this to happen? Now, some things we have nothing to do with. It's, it's out of our control. You know, God forbid something terrible happens, like a car accident, and it wasn't because of our reckless driving or being careless or falling asleep at the wheel, but it was because of some, some natural other circumstance or some other bad person, drunk person, crazed person, angry person, vicious person, then that's out of our control. Or even sometimes in our present world today, sad to say, you know, you and I don't know when we leave the house if we're going to come back because of some crazed, demon-possessed person, you know, with a knife or a gun or, or whatever can hurt us, do great damage. These things are not the kind of things I'm talking about. Those things are out of our control. We just entrust our lives to God. I know as a believer, I just entrust my life to God every, every minute of the day. I don't pray like, oh Lord, oh, Lord, you know, I'm not praying every second. Oh, Lord, please protect me. Oh, Lord, please protect me. Oh, Lord, please protect me. No, I'm praying, though, when I wake up in the morning, constantly throughout the day in my spirit, I'm praying. I'm seeking the face of God. I'm asking him to lead. I'm asking him to guide. I'm not talking about stuff like that. I'm talking now when you and I are not considering what the will of God is for, for anything, we make our own plans. We do our own thing. We buy our houses. We move to certain neighborhoods. We never, we never invited God to lead us and guide us. We marry who we want to marry. We did not ask God to lead and guide uh, we, we, we go to the job, we take a job that we did not ask God if he wanted us to take that job. And then things go awry, we get in a relationship with some individual that God did not lead us to do that, we, and then we find ourselves in trouble. I'm talking about those kind of things when it was us. We were the ones that we went according to our will, and then when things go wrong, then we have the nerve. To blame God No wonder The writer of Proverbs Who was probably King Solomon Most likely it was him Proverbs chapter 3 Verse 5 to 6 Instructs us to trust in the Lord With all of your heart Do not lean On your own understanding In all your ways Acknowledge him and he will make your path straight, or in the King James Version, or he will, and he will direct your path. In the beginning, God. And who are we talking about? Who is it that I'm asking and encouraging you and admonishing you to put first? I'm talking about God, the one that puts breath in your body, and that's why you're alive right now. And if he withholds his breath from you, you cease to exist. This is God who I'm talking about, in the beginning God. I'm talking about when you look up, And if you're fortunate enough to see a clear sky at night, to see the blackened sky with the myriad of beautiful white shining stars, that is the God that created that. And this is the God that we're talking about in Genesis 1 and John chapter 1, in the beginning, God. And this is the God that I'm encouraging you to always remember, do not launch out on any venture, on any project, on any plan, on anything in your life. Do not even dare to begin anything like that unless you have acknowledged God first, unless you have humbled yourself and sought God and ask him. You know, something is simple. Even many people told me when my uh, daughter was a little baby and then she grew to be a toddler, oh, Sister Pearl, you should put your daughter in modeling because then you can save up money for her her college and and you will be able to have money for your expenses as you're taking care of her and it'll be such a blessing. But when I asked the Lord what was his idea on that, I didn't get a green light from him whatsoever. What I got, how he what I was sensing he was telling me is Pearl, I don't want you to put her in modeling. I don't want her to be exposed to that. And you live in one of the, the 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 fashion cities of the entire world. I live in New York City, where, you know, modeling looks nice, you know? But there's a whole lifestyle, and the Lord was showing me this that comes along with the modeling. And maybe she would not have been approached with anything evil. Maybe yes, maybe no. I don't know as a child because some children are approached early on. But for her to be exposed to that kind of a lifestyle is something that the Lord led me not to do. Instead to cover her, to protect her, to guide her, for me to be the one to speak into her life and to model, for her to model my life as a woman of God. So in the beginning, God. So so I, I did not dare make a decision that would affect my daughter's life unless I sought the Lord. Do you understand how I'm, how I am applying This concept of in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And then John in the Gospel of John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I don't want to get involved in anything that God's not a part of, that God is not, you know, with the program. I want to go with God's program. And I would suggest you to be of the same mindset, to be desirous of putting God first. Those of you who listened to last week's broadcast, Build Your House on the Rock is what I spoke on. You may recall that we talked about how Christ Jesus is the chief cornerstone. And where did I get that from? From Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles' And the prophets, one day I'm going to talk to you about what, what are the gifts of the apostles, the prophets, the pastor, the teacher, the evangelist. But that's not tonight's message. But having been built on the foundations of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. That's the same equivalent of in the beginning God. Now, cornerstone, again, I tell you, for those who did not hear last Sunday night, the cornerstone, when, you, when you're building a good structure out of stone, the first stone and the most significant, the most important stone that is laid is the cornerstone because that sets the pace for the entire building. The entire building is set around that chief cornerstone. So when you lay that, you got to lay it properly or else everything else is out of kilter. Everything else is slanted. Everything else is off. It's not the way it should be. Our lives are not the way they should be unless we Have them built on the foundation, Jesus Christ, who is our cornerstone. Not just the cornerstone, the chief cornerstone. I'm going to close with this. I'm going to read from a portion of scripture where Paul was speaking. uh, This is out of the the book of Acts. Acts. It's chapter 17, and I'm reading from verse 22 when Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill. And he was speaking to people that really didn't know God. Uh, they used to meet, and they were like philosophers in in, in, in Greece, in the nation of Greece. Uh, they were in Athens, and they used to always, you know, these were the great philosophers of the time. And they had a lot of ideas about God, but, but they, they did not know who the true and the living God was. So I'm going to read to you from Acts chapter 17. I stood in the midst of uh, 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 Arapagus and said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. For as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing him, I proclaim to you, God who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshiped with men's hands, as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwelling so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him though he is not far from each one of us for in him we live and move and have our being also some of your own poets have said for we are also his offspring Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art and man's, and man's devising. Truly, these times of ignorance, God overlooked. But now he commands all men everywhere to repent because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. Talking about the man, Christ Jesus. And he has given assurance to this to all by raising him from the dead. I want to go back to that verse 28 in Acts 17. For in him we live and move and have our being. 28 part A the first part of that verse for in him we live and move and have our being the beginning God you and I friends sisters, brothers even if you're not yet in the household of faith men, women if you want to live a life the way that God intended for you to live, then you have to put God at the beginning. In the beginning, God. Make sure that he's your chief cornerstone. Make sure that he is the one that you consult, that you seek, that you bow down to that you worship, that you adore, that you honor, that you give the preeminence, meaning the first place, the highest place. Don't consider him later. You know, do your own thing, and then when you get into difficulty, then call on God. That's backwards. That's not the way we conduct business. That's not the the way God wants us to live our lives. You don't wait till after you get into trouble and then call on God. The better way and the way that he wants you to do it and the only way that really works is for you to acknowledge him first in the beginning God. God that took on human flesh and dwelt among us, wants to dwell in you by the power of his Holy Spirit. He's no longer living on earth, but he has sent his Holy Spirit to come and abide and live and reside and dwell in us. So won't you pray with me? If you don't know the Lord, cry out to God. He hears you. Ask him to forgive you of your sins. Tell him you're sorry for all the things that you've done that you knew were in opposition to his will. And even what you didn't know, but you know now by the Holy Spirit that it was wrong. Ask him to forgive you. We've all sinned. I've sinned. You've sinned. The only one who has not sinned is Jesus because he's the only perfect one. Every other man, every other woman has sinned. God to forgive you. Invite him to come by his Holy Spirit and live inside of your life and to lead you and guide you. But remember, put God first in all things. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would bring this word home to us whenever we listen to it, in the beginning, God. Great God, awesome God, God full of loving kindness, tender mercies, powerful God a God that hates evil, and a God who can change circumstances, a deliverer, a healer, a judge, an advocate, the best friend, our greatest, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, that's who you are. Jesus, as we sang at the beginning, you're the center of it all. And we ask you to be the center of our lives. In the beginning, God, we want you at the beginning, we want you in the middle and at the end of our lives. We want you to take us to be with you eternally, forever, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. That wraps up tonight's edition, tonight's broadcast of In the Beginning, God. You're listened to in the word with your sister Pearl. You know that I love you so very much, but Jesus knows you and loves you so much more. Until next time, God bless you. Bye-bye.